Hello and welcome to the podcast for the April issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm Richard Lane and once again this month I'm joined by TLID's editor John McConnell. Welcome John. John, let's start with a review something I knew nothing about and this is to do with immune reconstitution inflammatory syndrome. This is within the context of HIV. What is this syndrome John and and this is a systematic review and meta-analysis isn't it? What are they setting out to, yeah. to look at? Well this is what happens when or what can happen when you give uh, patients with HIV. You start treating them with antiretroviral therapy. Rather Paradoxically, after the start of uh, antiretrovirals, some patients have an inflammatory reaction. They have uh, worsening of their opportunistic infections. And you can have uh, unmasking of uh, previously subclinical um, infections. This seems to be because the antiretrovirals are um, suppressing the HIV virus. The cells of the immune system are therefore, um, there's many more of them and they're viable. They are doing what the immune system does and which is, uh, which is reacting to, um, to the antigens of, um, of infection. And so you get this paradoxical reaction to treatment. So presumably it's quite difficult to kind of pigeonhole then into one slot because presumably you're going to get a different response dependent on what type of opportunistic infection you're dealing with. That does certainly seem to be the case. So so what this paper looks at is, as you say, it's a meta-analysis and it looks at the incidence and lethality of uh, so-called iris in relation to different types of infections. So it finds, for example, the uh, lowest incidence of iris is in patients with uh, previously diagnosed Kaposi sarcoma and the highest is in patients with CME, CMV retinitis where, where iris can be as high as occurring as as high a proportion as 37% of, of patients. So overall, the authors find that 16.1% of patients starting antiretroviral therapy have uh, any form of virus. The implications are of this um, study, John, presumably this is something to do with the timing of when uh, ART should begin. Yeah, there does seem to be a relation between how low the cell count has got and the likelihood of developing iris once you start antiretroviral therapy. So the suggestion is that if you start antiretrovirals early, then there's a lower chance of iris developing. And of course, um, the um, the point in the decline of your CD4 cell count at which you start antiretrovirals is quite controversial anyway, and is the subject of, there are different guidelines around the world, and and, and the um, that very question is the subject of some ongoing trials. Next, John, uh, a personal view concerning pneumonia, and really this is proposing a different model, if you like, for the classification of pneumonia. Is that right? If anything, it's it's uh, proposing that we go back to the to the old classification of pneumonia. Tell us more. Why is that? What these authors are examining in this personal view paper is a concept called healthcare-associated pneumonia. Now, this concept was introduced in 2005, and uh, patients which fall within this classification tend to be treated intensively with uh, broad-spectrum antimicrobials. What the authors are saying is that the concept of healthcare-associated pneumonia is not justified by the available data, that it adds to confusion in pneumonia management, and that potentially patients classified in this way are over treated. Because they do talk about um, a conventional or classical triad system, don't they, for classification? Yes, indeed. And the authors are actually saying that we should return to that that classic triad. Uh, and and the, the, the sort of three divisions of the triad are community-associated pneumonia and many uh, elderly and disabled patients who are currently um, classified as having um, HCAP, healthcare-associated pneumonia, would actually fall into the, the, old, um, the older community associated pneumonia category if they were reclassified. The second arm is uh, hospital-acquired pneumonia, uh, and the third is uh, pneumonia in immunosuppressed patients. 
So they're ca- calling for a, a much more thorough reanalysis of the information which has led to the um, origin of this concept of um, healthcare-associated pneumonia and, and fundamentally for, for a return to the, to the classic triad. Next, John, a review about community-acquired metacillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. This is interesting because normally when one thinks of MRSA, it's within the hospital setting, but this is talking about it in a different context. So for starters, John, how common is this? Well, this review is particularly about the epidemiology of um, community-acquired MRSA in Europe. In the United States, community-acquired MRSA has reached the stage where it's replacing healthcare-associated MRSA as the predominant uh, MRSA clones. Now, Community-acquired MRSA is not nearly so common in Europe, uh, with uh, prevalence varying greatly. For example, it's very low in the in the Nordic countries. Uh, in Netherlands, it's much higher. Uh, in Greece, for example, where it's around uh, 50% of all, all MRSAs. But even in the Nordic countries, where which have traditionally had very low rates of healthcare-associated MRSA, uh, there is an emerging problem of um, community-associated MRSA, uh, and we could we could potentially reach the point where the community-associated problem is is much greater than the healthcare-associated one across Europe and mirror the situation which is already present in the United States. And this review, John, I mean, it's, it's a very detailed, very granular, isn't it, microbiological sort of epidemiological analysis. Are there characteristics of the strains of hospital MRSA that we could learn from within the context of community MRSA? Well, I'm not sure that we can map across because I think what's um, what's particularly important here is that the 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 clones which you can use um, molecular biological techniques to define the clones of MRSA of the Staph aureus organism associated with um, community associated infection are quite distinct from those associated with uh, hospital acquired infection uh, and that's how you're able to say uh, which particular which particular type of um, disease if you like you you are dealing with the clones in Europe are much more heterogeneous much more varied than they are in the United States but some of the US the North American clones are now starting to make their their presence presence felt in Europe. As a result of this study, do we know enough about the molecular epidemiology of community MRSA to to start developing strategies for prevention? I'm afraid I don't think we do, because of course um, a lot of uh, people will be carriers of the um, the clones, but they won't actually manifest any disease. So we're going to need some much more intensive surveys about the um, the prevalence and in, in, of um, carriage and the incidence of disease in Europe before we can actually develop any meaningful strategies. For example, there is some suggestion that, um, particularly in uh, closed communities, that sort of decolonization of the members of those communities, uh, decolonization with, with, by the use of antibiotics to remove their um, uh, their MRSA uh, may be effective. But I think in the um, the setting where the um, the colonization of individuals is much more sp- thinly spread, I'm not sure that would work. So we need much more information before we're going to have any sort of effective interventions. And finally, John, let's just briefly mention the editorial, which... I think uh, we ought to raise a glass to because it's talking about an important new development for the Lancet infectious diseases. Yes, well, after many years of talking about it and have the journal having been uh, launched uh, nine years ago now, 
uh, we are going to um, begin publishing original research papers from around uh, late summer uh, of this year. So hopefully the first issue with original research in it will be the August issue of the journal. So uh, the leading edge editorial in this April issue is uh, essentially a call for papers for original research so that we can begin the um, the next phase in the, the development of the last of infectious diseases. So does that mean that uh, systematic reviews and meta-analyses will no longer be considered uh, review material? I think we're going to have to take the decision to do what the weekly journal does, um, which is to move the meta-analyses into the, uh, the, the red section, everything, uh, everything that's research being read. Systematic reviews, um, we, I think, will probably, st- will probably stay green. They're just a method for collecting information, whereas the, the meta, of course, is a way of analysing that information. And John, just remind us, when does this transition happen? We'll start considering papers for original research from June, uh, from the 1st of June of this year. So if you have a paper which you think would be suitable for the, for the journal, then please read this editorial. Look at our information for authors, which will be available from, um, from May. And if you want to submit your paper, then you'll be able to do that from